could stand for the reading of God's Word, Isaiah 55. And look with me, if you would, at verses 6 and 7 by way of opening tonight. That's where we're going to begin in our Bible study. The Bible says there, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thought. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The title of the Bible study again is this, Come Thirsty. Come Thirsty. Verse number 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And we're told to come thirsty and we will be satisfied. Let's pray. God, help us tonight as we look at the Word of God. We understand our souls are parched because of sin and wickedness. Lord, brokenness exists in our hearts because of uh, pride and wrongdoing. And uh, Lord, sometimes it's not our own wrongdoing. The hurt can be in our heart because of what others have done to us. But Lord, the answer is all the same. It's the Word of God and it's salvation and it's growth by faith. And so God bless our Bible study tonight. May we see just how hard you have worked to not only save the Jews, but to reach out and save us Gentiles as well. Thank you for this book. Thank you how it is a love letter from heaven. It is an instruction manual on how to live. And Lord, it contains so much goodness and richness in it. Help us tonight to walk away with our cup full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, verses 1 through 5, we looked closely at the cost of eternal satisfaction. We saw in verse 1 the call. The call. It says, Ho, everyone, everyone who is invited to drink of these um, uh, life-giving liquids, who is invited to eat of the bread of eternal life, well, all are invited. It is an open invitation to everyone. It is a universal call. But then we saw letter B, the conditions. We see that it's to those that thirst. I talked about last week the sign in the middle of the desert that says thirsty. Thirsty with a question mark after having driven through a long stretch of desert and you're invited to come and get a drink there at the convenience store. And uh, those who are thirsty for truth, they will come to and receive of uh, the life-giving goodness of God. And then we saw the correlations. We saw four items here that are tied into uh, this passage, and they are water. Jesus is the living water. We saw out of John 7. We saw wine uh, out of the book of Proverbs, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians, and John. Wine is a symbol of joy. It is also a symbol of the Holy Ghost. And as we are led by the Spirit of God, we know what it means to have His joy in our heart. The third liquid we looked at was milk. 1 Peter 2, 1-3 through talks about newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. And then the fourth item that's given to those who are thirsty, or in this case hungry, is bread. John chapter 6, we saw where Jesus said that He is the bread of life. And those that partake of this bread will never ever hunger and will never die. And then we looked at, lastly, we saw A, 
the call, letter B. Uh, we saw the conditions and then letter C, the correlations. Last week we finished by looking at letter D, the covenant. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. It says, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. This is speaking of the fulfillment of the covenant given to David. Verse 3, look at the end there, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. We know that God promised David that he would have a king that would be birthed through him that would rule and reign forever. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant, and in his coming, not only did he open the door for the Jews to realize their Messiah, but he also opened the door for uh, uh, Gentiles to be saved. Look at verse 5. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel. Israel, for he hath glorified thee. To whom is the door open for, for salvation? It is open to the nations of the world, and that leads us right into the thought we have for tonight. So we saw number one, we saw the cost of eternal satisfaction. Notice number two tonight, the command to seek. The command to seek. Uh, we read verses 6 and 7 in our open, and so let me give you here a couple of thoughts below point 2. Notice letter A, the Gentiles offer. Right on the heels of verse 5, saying that this is opened to the nations, we see in verse 6, it says there, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now, have you ever heard someone say that God's grace is unlimited? You ever heard someone say that God's grace is unlimited? You cannot fall, climb or fall farther than God's grace can reach. I'm going to tell you that, yes, God's grace is unlimited in some ways, but it is very limited in other ways. Take your Bibles over to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at Romans 1 quite a bit tonight and a couple of other passages. But Romans 1, turn over there and look with me at verse number 16. Romans chapter 1 and look with me at verse 16. If you have a Bible tonight, please use it. If you don't have a physical Bible, then get your digital Bible out on your smartphone and use that one for me. But everyone, everyone, everyone should be engaged with the Bible in some way or another tonight. This is a Bible study. That's what we come to church for on Wednesday night. Not to just socialize and fraternize, but to get in the Word of God and dig deep. So get your Bibles open and uh, study them with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, then we have some in the pews. Get one and go through it with me. All right, Romans 1, look at verse number 16. It says, For I am not ashamed, Paul speaking here, of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So to whom is the gospel of Jesus Christ available? To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That word Greek uh, tells us all non-Jewish people. So the Jews and the Gentiles. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. Now, you might be a mixture of the both, all right? But you're either a Jew or a Gentile, right? And so, uh, who is, to whom is the gospel available? It's available to everyone. Everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, 
and also to the Greek. Now, why was it available to the Jew first? Because Jesus was born as a Jew. And Jesus said that he came to the lost sheep of Israel. But as we saw Sunday night in John chapter 10, he had a whole other flock that they knew, the Jews knew nothing of, that he was going to bring in and bring those two flocks together. That other flock are Gentile believers. So God's grace is limitless for the same. It's limitless for the same. Listen to what I'm about to tell you right here, because this is important doctrine tonight. If you have already put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, you're not depending on some church, you're not depending on some priest or preacher, you're not depending on some set of good works, you have come to the cross as a broken sinner and called on Jesus to be your Savior, then you, my friend, have received the gospel of Christ. Again, look at Romans 1.16. It's available to who? To everyone that believeth. That's the only requirement to be saved. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you have done that, you are a child of God and God's grace is limitless for you. You cannot exhaust. You cannot run out of the grace of God. But did you know that God's grace is very much limited for the, or rather, God's grace is very much limited for the lost. If you're lost, You've never believed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God is trying to draw you. In fact, we know that He stands at the door and He knocks. What door is He knocking on? He's knocking on the door of your heart and He's saying... Believe on me, open up that heart, and trust in me, and you can be saved. Turn over to Luke chapter 14. Again, hold your place in Romans 1. We'll be coming back there in a moment. Uh, Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16. Everybody, turn over to Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16. And we see here, there is a dinner party. And uh, there are those that reject the invitation. And you know what? It isn't just the rejection of the invitation, it's the rejection of those who reject it. Listen up here to me. God chooses those who choose Him. Alright? The other evening, Michael down here, he came to me before church and he said, Pastor Lejeune, I have a request. During the prayer time, I want to pray with you, just me and you. Would that be okay? Now, Michael chose to pray with me, but do you know for us to pray together, I had to choose Michael back. I had to say, you know what? He's choosing to pray with me. I'm going to choose to pray back with him. And so come prayer time, he and I prayed together because he chose me and I chose him. You know, that's exactly how it works. To be part of the chosen or the elect, you have to choose of your own free will to believe in Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, he chooses you back. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? But did you know it works the other way around? Did you know that if in your free will you reject Jesus, that He's going to reject you back? Now that's a scary thought. You know about that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. You know there's an invitation for you to believe so you can go to heaven and you say, nope, I'm good. And God says, okay, I'm good too. Look with me at Luke chapter 14. Look at, look, look at verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. In fact, if you back up just a little bit further, Jesus tells this. This is a story 
about the kingdom of heaven. Alright, look at 17. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, to begin to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And others said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Now, let me pause here. Alright, this is a story about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. All our Calvinist friends, listen in. Listen closely. It was the desire of the Master that everybody come to the feast. There were a handful of people that exercised their own free will and rejected this invitation. And look at the response of the Master upon this rejection. Look with me at verse 20. Let's see. Look at verse number uh, 20. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, this is God, being very angry, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out in the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Because they rejected me, I reject them back. You know what? God's grace ran out to those who that were lost and rejected. Now, there's a lot more uh, here to, the, to what I'm, I'm sharing with you uh, than what I've said so far. This is furthermore a story about the Jews rejecting Jesus and Him going out and inviting the Gentiles in to the dinner. Those who were part of the, invi- uh, the, the original list of invi- uh, invitees to come to the feast were the Jewish people. And you know what? One at a time. They made excuses to why they couldn't believe. And so the servants were told, go out into the highways and hedges. Go out into uh, the streets and the lanes and get the people to come into my house. And so because many of the Jewish people rejected, the Gentile people believed and as a result are on their way uh, into heaven and the family of God. So thank God for His abundant pardon. We see the Gentiles offer letter B, we see the Gentiles obstacle. Go back with me to Isaiah 55 and then Romans chapter 1. Two bookmarks in your Bibles tonight. Isaiah 55 and look at verse number 7. We see the obstacle here in verse. We saw the, uh, we saw letter A. Uh, we saw the Gentiles offer to seek the Lord while he may be found and Call upon Him while He is near. Verse 7, we see the obstacle of the Gentiles. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Go back to Romans 1. While the Gentiles have been invited to salvation, many will not receive because of their own wickedness. Many... Gentiles will not go to heaven because of the wickedness they're wrapped up into, the wickedness that they're a part of. And Romans 1 lays out for us 
the wickedness of the Gentile people. And by the way, Romans 1, Paul is describing the Gentiles in Romans 2. He goes after the Jewish attendees of the church at Rome. Look at Romans 1, look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed, Paul says, of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What truth is being held in unrighteousness that causes the wrath of God to be poured out on man? Look at 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest where, church? You're reading it? Is manifest where? In them. You know what that means? That means that if you are made in God's image as a human being, He has put something inside of you so you know who He is. This is the faith that everyone is born with. If someone tells you that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, I've heard people say, well, the gift is faith, and that unless God gives you the gift of faith, you can't be saved. That's, that's garbage. Look back at Romans 1, and look with me at verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So faith, these are stepping stones from faith to faith. Look at 18. For the wrath of man, or God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. There's that wickedness and unrighteousness of, of, of men who hold the truth. So we're all born with it in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest where? In them, for God hath showed it unto them. So it's revealed inside of us, and it's revealed outside of us to us. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so they that they are without excuse. Everyone, everyone is given two things by God to draw them to God. Here they are. That's a conscious. That's the truth that lies inside of you. These are the laws that are written upon the fleshly tables of your heart. The, the laws of God. You know what? No one had to tell you it was a sin to lie. The first time you ever told a lie, you knew you did wrong. Because you have a conscious that told you it was wrong. No one had to tell you thou shalt not kill. You know it's wrong to kill. How many of you remember the first time you saw an animal get killed in a, at a tender age? Anybody remember that? Were you like me, that it hurt your heart to watch an animal die? All right. Why? Because something inside of it says, and you know what, it's an animal. We have dominion over those. All right. Although I don't think anyone should kill an animal just for pleasure, just to do it. All right. That's wrong. That's wrong. All right. But there's something inside of us that says that's wrong. You know what God put inside of you? He put inside of you a conscience. We all have one. Now, that conscience can be seared. That conscience can be uh, altered and perverted. You do a, you're lost and you do a sin long enough, eventually that conscience will leave you alone. Think about someone who commits murder for the first time and they get away with it. They can't eat for days. 
But after the 10th or 15th murder of a serial killer, they can eat dinner and go to bed and it doesn't bother them. Why? They've seared their conscience. They've seared their conscience. You know why God put a conscience inside of you? To draw you back to Him for salvation. But it wasn't only in you that truth was manifested. It's actually also without. You know what it is? It's creation. I went for a walk this afternoon. I went for a walk. I needed to clear my head and spend some time in prayer. Normally, I walk toward Booth Park. But today, I walked in the opposite direction. I walked down here to the end of Main Street, Putney, where it comes into Main Street. And I took a right, and I started walking down Main Street. And uh, right, uh, right past, um, there's a little bridge there, and there's a pond on the right-hand side. And there's a brook that runs down into uh, the Housatonic River there. And right by that pond... There's a little metal bench. I don't, I don't know how long it's been there. I've lived here uh, all these years now. Never even noticed that bench there. Driven right past it many times. I went and sat on that bench for about 40 minutes and I just prayed. I prayed for many of you. I prayed for our church. I prayed for some personal things going on in my life. I just sat there and I prayed. You know what? I looked out at that marsh, that that pond, and I could see that there's some stagnant water out there. And, and then I saw something swimming across the surface of the water. I began to think, Phyllis, I was in Florida, and that was an alligator coming to get me. But then I remembered I live in Connecticut, so I was safe. Okay, But uh, there I am seeing uh, all of nature happen, the, the bugs popping on top of the water, and the fish swimming just under the surface of the water. I looked up at the trees, I looked up at the sky, and I had this thought, how could anyone believe that this just happened on accident? That's crazy. No one looks at an automobile and goes, I wonder where the bomb is that went off in the metal factory that created this. No one looks at a painting and says, where's the bomb that went off that created the, 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 uh, 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 this canvas with this art on here? Nobody opens a book and say, wow, look at this book. I wonder how it wrote itself. I wonder where the accident was in space that created this. Did you know that the DNA that makes up who you are is far more complicated than any encyclopedia book that you can find? The code within that DNA is so complex to believe that happened on accident. You are being willingly ignorant, Romans 1 tells us. You look at creation. Where there's a painting, there's a painter. Where there's a building, there's an architect. Uh, uh, where, where there's a functioning piece of machinery, there was an engineer. And where there is a creation, there is a creator. Well, who created the creator? I can hear the skeptic. We know that God is eternal. Nobody created God. He's greater than we are. And don't try to use some false, uh, uh, self-confident intellect to outthink the God who is all, all, all eternal. And, and listen, it was a creator that created our universe. And we look at it and we say, there is a creator. And you know what? When you follow that conscious and you follow that creator and you seek more light, what we find is that you walk toward God. And as you draw nigh to God, He draws nigh to you, whether you live in the U.S. of A. or the middle of nowhere on the other side of the globe, if you'll walk toward God, He'll walk toward you. But what is the great obstacle that keeps men from salvation? It is their own pride and wickedness. Look at verse 19 with me, or rather look at verse 20, Romans 1. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen to me, church. Nobody goes to hell and says, I had no entry point to heaven. Nobody. 
Everyone who's in hell is without excuse. No one can go to hell and say there was never an entry point for me to get here. Hear hear me out now. To believe that God only creates some people to go to heaven by default means that God creates the rest to go to hell. And that's just not true. That is not how a loving God operates. Everyone who goes to hell, Romans 1 tells us, will be there without excuse. No one will go there and say, I didn't deserve this, and I had no entry point to heaven. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart, were, foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Doesn't that describe a good chunk of our higher education system today? Boy, they think they're so smart. I watched a YouTube video this morning about entropy and how energy comes into the earth. Fascinating video. Science, I mean, deeply rooted in observation and truth. And then the guy went off the rails talking about evolution. And I thought, man, you add me until you got right there. You know? They, 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 they become vain in their imagination. Look here. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made to corruptible man. We call that humanism. That's worshiping of one's own personal autonomy and worshiping human reasoning over God uh, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. We call that environmentalism. That's worshiping uh, the environment around us instead of worshiping God. Uh, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, uh, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the Gentile great obstacle and sin for this cause. God gave them up unto... uh, Vile affections for even their woman did change women, did change the natural use uh, into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their Error which was meat, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. This is secularism. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things uh, which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, impossible, unmerciful, Wow, if that doesn't describe the day and age which we live today, give me a list that does. Who know, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Listen, these folks who go to hell uh, 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 live this list. Why? Because their obstacle is their own wickedness, and they trip right over it into an eternity, eternity of darkness and great sin. Let me tell you,
you what's taking people to hell today. It is humanism. It's I'm going to worship myself and what I think more than what the Bible says and what God says. I'm going to worship the environment around me. And I think we need to be good stewards of the earth that God has given us. But we don't need to worship it. And it's secularism. I'm going to let the secular world tell me how to think and operate. And all within that comes the culture and the music industry and Hollywood and all of the pop culture of the world around us, we let that lead us astray. No, God has given us conscious. He's given us creation so that we can choose our way to salvation. What is the Gentiles' great obstacle? Well, go back with me to Isaiah 55 and look at verses 6 and 7 with me, if you will, again. It says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Here's what it takes for you to become a child of God. Look at verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Boy, I know I've shared this story before, but it just fits so appropriately right here. Years ago, I was serving as an assistant pastor at the Emmanuel Baptist Temple in Hagerstown, Maryland, a friend of a loved one said, Hey, Pastor Lejeune, would you go and visit uh, my loved one who's on uh, in ICU and has just been given days left to live and he is conscious and cognitive? Would you go and witness to him before he dies? And I've had several times where I've gone and witnessed to people as they were approaching death. And so such was the case. I made myself my way over to the west side of Hagerstown into the hospital, up the elevator, onto the ICU floor and there into his room. He sat with IVs in his body, just uh, days left to live. And I began to go through the gospel with the man. I got all the way down to the end and he looked at me and he said, this is not the first time I have heard the gospel message. He said, I've heard this before. Years ago when I heard it, something stirred in my heart and I rejected that calling. I rejected that stirring. He said, God dealt with me for quite a while and I continue to push away and reject. He said, as you shared that same truth with me that I had heard many years before, this time there was no speaking to me on the inside. And then words that made the back, hair on the back of my neck stood up were uttered out of his mouth. He looked at me and he said, I am going to die and go to hell and there's nothing that you or I can do about it. I have rejected God and now he has rejected me. You need to draw near to God while He's calling on your heart. Pastor Lejeune, are you trying to use fear tactics to get people to get saved? I am not. I'm trying to use the truth. You can't be saved if the Holy Spirit's not drawing you. But if He's drawing you, please, please tonight, just simply repent and believe in Him. He wants you to have salvation. It's not a matter of your good works. It's a matter of your simple exercise of faith in Him. Next week, we'll jump into Numbers 3 and 4, and we'll look at some great verses. In fact, let's just read the verses now, and then we'll dive into them next week. Look at verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah 55, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, 
maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Boy, I want to teach these right now, these verses right now. But we will, so we're out of time. We will save those for next week. I hope you'll be back. If you're not able to be here in person, watch us online. And uh, let's grow in God's Word together. Amen.